We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of Three Maw. Welcome to another Three Maw pod. I'm Cole Manbeck, joined by Derek. As always, John's not able to join us today, but uh, hey, we're in a good frame of mind. Kansas State defeats number nine Baylor by 10, 75 to 65. And what was a huge win is the Wildcats string back-to-back victories together for the first time in nearly a month when they defeated KU and Texas Tech back-to-back. So we're in great spirits here at Three Mall. Uh, D.Y. had a late night covering the game. I had a late night getting back from Manhattan to Kansas City. I think I maybe slept four hours because I was on such an emotional high. Uh, but you know what? It, it's worth it. Kansas State basketball is fun as the Wildcats collect Another gigantic resume building win for what is one of becoming one of the best resumes in all of college basketball. And we'll dive into that later in the show. But we're here to talk about the Cats' victory over Baylor and uh, touch a little bit on over the last week uh, back to back wins over top 20 teams. So uh, let's dive into that. I'm in the mood to uh, have some Ben Holiday bottled and Bond bourbon, 360 vodka, as always, uh, our sponsors who support us. So we encourage you to find some Ben Holiday bottled and Bond bourbon at 360 vodka. It is great stuff. You know, I have a couple bottles of Ben Holiday bottled and Bond bourbon on my bar in the basement, and uh, I love it. So I encourage you guys to check it out, celebrate some K-State victories with some 360 vodka or Ben Holiday bottled and Bond bourbon. D.Y., just looking at the game last night, man, I felt like really one of the more complete efforts we've seen from K-State all around uh, in quite some time. What What is your main takeaways from last night's effort? Yeah, just kind of been jotting a few of those down as, as you kind of started us off there. One would be uh, your stars played like stars, right? Uh, 25 points on 17 shots from Keontae Johnson. He was efficient. He scored the ball. Uh, three turnovers, but none of them were glaring, and it didn't really come in critical moments. So you, it felt like even against Iowa State, you know, I, I think I mentioned it maybe on, the, on a prior podcast that it seemed like Keontae Johnson was beginning to snap out of it a little bit. They were beginning to find his spots. 
head coach Jerome Tang, you know, in the press conference, he was asked, you know, what kind of got him going. And he almost did this a little bit. I don't think it was, a, it wasn't like a slight towards Baylor. Obviously, Jerome Tang loves Baylor, loves Scott Drew. But I think he was a little surprised that Baylor uh, doubled Keontae Johnson so much less than everybody else. Because, like, as he said, uh, you go one on one with Keontae Johnson, you're kind of rolling the dice and, and uh, th- that gets tricky. He's he's pretty tough to guard one on one. And then Marquise Noel, obviously ten assists, no turnovers. Uh, with everything else that we're about to to kind of dig into, you'll understand why. You know, one of those nights where Kent State just not going to lose when when so many things are kind of going their way. But one of those things is when Marquise Noel is playing that good. Now he didn't shoot it well, still. Um, even though he didn't shoot well against Iowa State, but he was four of nine from three-pointers, and he missed everything else. Uh, last night, he was missing pretty much everything, but he's still going to the line um, at the end of the game, closing the game out, gets him to 14 points. I mean, they just, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think I remember thinking at the end of the game, he had 14 points and only made two shots. So <laughs> that's pretty interesting, but that's because he's the free-throw master at the end of the game, so... Not to say he gets cheap points, but he's the closer and he's going to get those points that come a little bit easier at the charity strike. Um, and that's also a credit to him because he's about to probably finish the season as one of the best free throw shooting seasons in Kansas State history. So I think he's hovering around the 90% mark. Um, that's been phenomenal and a great asset for the Wildcats as well, especially with the no turnovers. Thought, I think. Cam Carter starting to snap out of it a little bit too. I thought um, uh, just because it's it's easy for this to happen. This doesn't mean he's a bad player or, or has a bad attitude or bad behavior because he doesn't. Cam Carter is one of the most selfless guys on the team. But sometimes when you're struggling so mightily on the offensive end, it can affect your defense. And when you start to see the offense come for him just a little, a little bit, you're seeing that lockdown defense from him that we saw maybe earlier in the season where he's a little bit tougher to to score up because then you could put him on, you know, one of the better players, uh, especially for Baylor in the backcourt to and feel good about your chances because I think, you know, Adam Flagler basically did nothing uh, for Baylor and pretty much Coliseum, which is pretty stunning, obviously. Uh, some of that, like Jerome Tanks uh, said after the game, you chalk it up to, you know, he kind of had a bad night. But I think it was because Ken Carter's quite a test for him as well so I think that's a big deal um defense and turnovers obviously both huge Kansas State's at best I would consider an inconsistent mediocre defense this year I don't think they've played that complete of a game defensively since perhaps the non-conference it might have been if you consider who the opponent was Baylor's the number one offense in the Big 12 maybe the best and most complete performance of the entire season on that end of the floor um Baylor still got free a few times. Every team's going to get free a few times. There's going to be a couple breakdowns. It's hard to stay perfect for 40 minutes, and some teams are just so good that it's going to happen. But, man, it seemed like every bucket that Baylor got, they earned on, at an incredible level. Like, everything was hard for them. Like, I don't I don't know when the last time Kansas State played that good defense. Uh, turnovers uh, is the final thing I would touch on. Uh, I know I'm basically stealing everything you probably want to talk about as well. But Kansas State only turned the ball over seven times. Uh, one points off turnovers, 19 to five. Uh, when Kansas State plays that good a defense, when they dominate the turnover uh, area that much, when Keontae Johnson is that good, when Marquise Noel is that good, I don't know how you beat them, especially when they're at home. And then to top it off, 42 to 16 in the paint as well. So uh, just 
you know, you kind of look at those numbers and you're a little bit surprised they only won by 10. Yeah, so let's let's hit on a lot of those key points. So first of all, going back to Marquise Noel, it's incredibly valuable to have a point guard who's always going to have the ball in his hands, be one of the best free throw shooters in America, obviously. And Marquise's ability to burst by guys, blow by guys, and draw contact and fouls late in games or when teams are trying to foul, it's a huge asset. And what is the stat now? He's like 61 or 64 in the last five minutes of games from the free throw line on the season. It's some insane number. Yeah, and I think... And this is from Mason Vogt for Remal Online that told me after the game, I want to say he's made like, and I, this is probably jinxing him, so I feel bad, but I think he's either made 26 or 29 straight free throws. It's remarkable how good he is at the free throw line. I mean, I remember the, I, I think the game in Austin against Texas, he was like 14 of 14 or something, just hit an insane amount of free throws. He goes 10 to 10 last night at the foul line. And what was really impressive to me, D.Y., is that he his shot wasn't falling, like you said. He goes 0 of 6 from 3, 2 of 11 from the floor. Uh, but he made a couple big buckets in the second half. He had a, a mid-range jumper and then a little teardrop that he hit. Um, and also the the free throws were huge. But the 10 assists and no turnovers. You know, he was really playing like a pure point guard out there. You know, really took care of the basketball. Made some really nice passes. And I, I got to give credit to K-State's bigs as well. They made a couple of really nice catches on bounce passes at the, the waist. Like Gasson had one that I know that was a tough catch. And he pulled it in and, and laid it in as well. So... I thought the ball really moved well last night. I thought Casey, and I, I know Baylor's not a great defensive team. They're 93rd now in the country in Ken Palm defense. Uh, they were 85 entering last night. So you expected Casey to be able to score some against that defense. But the way they moved the ball, especially early on, they go 65% on twos in the game. They're 24 of 37 on two-point field goals. But in the second half, and this is from KSU underscore fan, Jimmy, they go 14 of 17 on twos. 82% from the floor. That just shows they, they were getting great looks at the basket. They were moving basketball well. Ball didn't stick. Uh, I thought K-State just played really, really well. And on the defensive end of the floor, uh, you mentioned it, first of all, going back to 42 to 16 on points in the paint. I mean, that, that's an incredible effort. Yeah, and, and that's also a product of they haven't finished at the rim um, in a long time since the way that they did last night. And and this is not to take anything away from K-State, but I think Baylor's just a little less physical at the rim than just about every other team in the Big 12. Most Big 12 teams are basically going to foul you and make the rest call it, and it makes finishing at the rim just impossible. Baylor actually tries to play straight up without foul. It gives you some more chances. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and really, and K-State actually, they do a really nice job with it on the official website. They usually, in the final stat packet, are able, they put out the uh, kind of the shot charts I didn't see it last night come out, but I was curious what the shots at the rim were because I'm pretty sure it was a, a very high efficiency number on shots at the rim last night. We'll see if we can track that down later, but uh, I thought they finished really well. You mentioned Adam Flagler and Cam Carter's defense. So yeah, Cam Carter is one of the best defenders in this big tw- in the Big 12. His length, his athleticism is tremendous. The offense has been a bit of a struggle lately for him, up and down. But last night, he goes 0 of 5 on threes, but he's 5 of 11 from the floor. So he goes 5 of 6 on twos. He's finishing at the rim. Great defense. And he collects eight rebounds. You know, that was it. Last night was interesting because Keontae was great offensively. Locked in 11 of 17 from the floor, 25 points. But they didn't have to rely on him to get rebounds last night. He had one rebound. You know, they usually have to rely on Keontae to grab so many of those. But Naquan Tomlin... I thought he played when he was on the floor. He played with incredible energy, especially early in that game before he got a second foul. He got eight rebounds. Carter had eight rebounds. 
they really got after it. And Adam Flagler went one of 13 from the floor. One of the best guards in college basketball, one of the best shooters, 42% from three coming into the game on the season. This is a four-year guy that's played over 100 games, over 1,600 points in his career. One of 13 from the floor, his worst shooting performance in his entire career in the college basketball landscape. So a, a, just a really tremendous defensive performance. And then on the offensive end, D.Y., well, uh, let me touch on defense real quick. Baylor, you mentioned it, number two most efficient offense in the country, 1.22 points per possession. K-State holds them to one point per possession right on the dot. So terrific defense. And then the turnovers. There's been such a big talking point and well-deserved that it has been, but only seven turnovers last night. According to KSU underscore fan, it's the lowest turnover rate on the entire season for K-State. They took care of the basketball. And now in the last two games, they played Iowa State Saturday, which led the Big 12 in turnovers forced per game at over 17 and was top 10 in the country in turnovers forced and turnover rate forced. Only turned it over 11 times against them, seven times against Baylor. And in the last two games now, they've outscored Iowa State and Baylor by a combined 38 to 12 on points off turnovers. So quite a swig. And I know that I just threw a lot out there to, uh, you know, in response to you, DY, but I don't know if you have any takeaways from from some of that or anything else that you wanted to hit on um, that was fresh from that? No, I mean, like I said, you play that good a defense, you dominate. If, if they win the turnover battle, like the way they did, and Marquise and Keontae are playing like they did, uh, they're <laughs> you're going to have to play your A game to win, and obviously Baylor didn't have that, uh, especially with Flagler shoot, you know, having the night that he did. Um, not necessarily a fluke. Mike, he's usually going to make some, uh, a few, at least a few more of those tougher shots. They made everything tough for him. So kids think it's credit for that performance, but it, uh, usually a few more are going to fall down. So it's probably a little bit of a fluke, but I mean, kids, they made him earn it and, and he couldn't earn it on, on Tuesday night. And then on the flip side, LJ Cryer, it didn't matter if they had three guys on him, he was going to make it. So yeah, um, LJ Cryer really had it going. We, I mean, we just talked to basically everything that was good in it's hard to find something that they really didn't go their way. Uh, second chance points was in favor of Baylor, but it wasn't like disastrous. It was 12 to seven. Offensive rebounds were 11 to nine. So the rate's going to be pretty similar, probably. Benches 14 to 12, pretty similar. K State won the fast break, but not like real decisively. Both teams assisted a large percentage of their baskets. Um, it was a game of runs. I guess the only. Well, there's two things I would say why this still was a 10-point game is when we look the way, if we kind of just consider the way that we just described the game in the you know the first you know 10 minutes of this podcast, you'd say, man, kids, they probably kick Baylor's ass in one by 20, right? Well, they didn't. It was only a 10-point game. But there's two things, right? Baylor made seven more three-pointers. Seven. <laughs> I mean, kids, they were four of 21 from the three-point line. If they're average from the three-point line, they probably do win by 20. Um, and Baylor... Despite, you know, Adam Flagler being off, Baylor still almost shot 40% from three and Kansas State didn't shoot 20% from three. So that was uh, a big decisive factor. And if you told, and on the flip side, right, if you told Scott Drew hey, before the game, hey, you're going to shoot almost 40% from three and Kansas State's not even going to shoot 20%, he probably feels pretty good about his chances. But he also probably assumed they wouldn't be dominated as much as they were in the turnover category as, as well. And then, I guess if I say there's two items. So one was the three point line. I think I kept Baylor close. And then the uh 
you know, and Kansas State took that 23 to 13 lead, give it right back with a Baylor 21 to 3 run that probably uh, shifted things quite a bit as well. Yeah. Well, so I think the three point thing, that's a big point because there's, you know, it's not like Baylor shot the ball poorly last night. They shot 39% from three. They they shot right around their season average, really 11 of 28 from three. Keontae George had a really nice game. You know, he hit six threes in the game. I think he was six of 10. Uh, and K-State, you know, you think about it, you're like four of 21 from three. You're not going to win a lot of games usually shooting that number, 19% from the three point line. And Desi Sills, Cam Carter, and Marquise, your three primary guards, go a combined 0 of 13 from three. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's – go ahead. Keontae George and LJ Cryer were a combined 10 of 17 from three. <laughs> yeah. 10 of 17 because Cryer went four of seven. On the flip side, Langston Love, Jalen Bridges, and Adam Flagler combined 0 of 10. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it would have been hard if Flagler had a, a good night, too, because George and Cryer were definitely on. There was a moment where I didn't think Cryer was going to miss. I think he hit his first four threes, and it was frustrating. And you mentioned that 21-3 to run, D.Y. It seemed like it evaporated so quickly that the 10-point lead as they hit, I think, six threes in that stretch uh, to get it up 34-26. to And then K-State closes the half on a 5-0 run. And then they come out of the gate to start the second half and they play with some fire. And there was a stretch where, so Baylor was up 34 to 26 and K-State eventually took a 65 to 51 lead in the second half, which means K-State outscored them 39 to 17 over. uh, There was a time where it was an 18 to four run, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So you get it outscored. You hold them to 17 points over about 19 minutes of game time, which is incredible defense to hold that Baylor offense down for that long of a period um, as K-State had a sustained run. And uh, I, I just thought that was a big thing. And you mentioned the assist rate, 20 assists on 28 made field goals for K-State. That's assisting on 71% of their made field goals. That's a big part of this offense. When the assist rate is high, that means they're moving the ball well. And it, it certainly was last night. So yeah, it, uh, an all-around great performance and, and just a, a really impressive run that K-State went on to, I think, beat, and I don't know what you think about this, but I think Baylor may have the most pure talent in this league. They do. Uh, well, Texas might, if I had, if I was being honest, probably. I would probably say Texas. Uh, I think they probably had the best seven or eight. I mean, they can go nine or ten. Uh, Texas has basically two starting lineups. That's how I view it. Yeah. Maybe they don't have the high-end guys like a Flagler or a Cryer, although Marcus Carr is pretty pretty damn good. Uh, but if Tyrese Tyrese Hunter hasn't been really the Tyrese Hunter we saw last year, so I get that. But, man, their, their second five is not much worse than everyone else's starting five. That's what I say about Texas. Yeah. So that's why I would tend to pick them. Another thing why I would pick Texas is, as much as I love Baylor, uh, that talent, that skill level, and especially the way that they can shoot three, they're never out of a game because of that. Um, we saw it just in a flash, you know, if they're offensive rebounding too, I mean, you're toast because when the team gets an offensive rebound, the defense is in scramble mode. That's when the threes come open. That's why LJ Cryer kept making threes off offensive rebounds. That's why rebound, offensive rebounding allowed is so important against Baylor because they're usually going to meet three off an offensive rebound. And that just, it just feels a little bit more deflating, I think. So I think that's a big tool. So like I said, Baylor talent, skill, it's there. Three-point shooting, never out of a game. You always feel paranoid against them because of that. But at the end of the day, um, that defense is brutal. It is – I mean, I guess we're, we're doing it comparative to the Big 12. Um, and I, when you, you think about the resistance 
that you feel from Baylor when you're Kansas State as an offense, and you think about to every other game, feels night and day. Now, I'd like to see maybe Baylor's defense is not as bad once you get into the NCAA tournament and you see what an average defense looks like. But when you're used to getting going up against some of the other defenses in the Big 12, Baylor's defense feels really, really bad when you go up against them because there were there were definitely stretches. And I know what Scott Drew base. I like Scott Drew's quote though. He said we threw four different defenses at Kansas State to try to stop Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel, but the only defense is them graduating. I thought that was a great line. He's it's probably true, but at the end of the day, I certainly felt there was points in that game where it felt like a layup line for Kansas State and. You don't really get that against anybody else in the Big 12. But at Baylor, you, you do get that, and you've seen that in other games. I love their offense, like you said, number two in the country, but that defense is definitely uh, a mitigating factor for them, and I think a pretty significant one when it comes to tournament time when basically every good team in the NCAA tournament plays defense. Maybe not all of them play offense, but everyone plays defense, and I think that could hurt Baylor. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Maybe maybe I should restate it. I think they they probably have the best trio of guards in the, they do. Uh, the Big 12. And, uh, you know, guard play in March is such a big factor. Look, they're a stressful team to play because even when you're up by 10, 12 points with four minutes left, they can get hot from three and they make tough shots. So right. 
you were just hoping that K-State could close it out and not let them go on a run, and they successfully did so. And uh, you're right. It, it probably felt nice for K-State after the grinder of some of these defenses they've had to play in Big 12 play to to get to play this Baylor defense and get things back in rhythm. And, you know, it, it's just it's a huge win. Um, to sweep Baylor, it, it, I don't I don't know if anyone has swept Baylor this year, and I don't think anybody will. Um, they play no. Texas on Saturday in Waco. I think they'll beat Texas. Baylor, that was the first team all year to sweep Baylor. It was also the first team the Kansas State swept, ironically enough, as well, because every, they're not going to get sweeps, like I said, because of the Oklahoma, the Texas Tech, and the thing what happened in Norman and Lubbock. Kansas State can sweep Oklahoma State and West Virginia, but it would require road wins at both. Yeah, yeah. Did you know, D.Y., that K- we talked about this on the pod on Monday with uh, Coach Kevin Sutton uh, when we had him on, and John and I were talking afterwards. So did you know K-State's 16th in the country now in defensive efficiency via Ken Palm? That you took know, me aback. Yeah, it takes me back a little bit to uh, – I think it's because that first shot defense is probably – we probably underrate it It's because for most of the year – because – that's basically kind of a half court metric almost, I think, and probably very largely. And maybe I don't, I have to go into the metric and see what all goes into it. But Kansas State has problems with two things, right? For most of the year, or when they were losing, you could count on two areas where it was not good O boards, offensive boards for the other team, and turnovers. And if it's a live ball turnover, uh, it doesn't matter how good you are defensively, you're going to be. Up, yep. up a you know molehill. We saw that at TCU, especially. So I don't know if that if you're giving up a lot of points, second chance points, points off turnover. I don't know if that's necessarily a glaring indictment of your actual defense, because you could be a really good defensive team, but if you're giving up offensive rebounds and turnovers, you know what's yep. um, and maybe that doesn't go into the defense efficiency. I don't know. Well, I, I what I will say is I, I agree with you on. You know, the offensive rebound and the live ball turnovers have impacted K-State's defense, which maybe, and we'll have to, you know, this is probably more of a question for KSU underscore fan, and we could have him on later to, to talk about this as well and give us a better understanding of the analytics. But, you know, it makes that half first, that half court defense of K-State's even more impressive, you know, just considering the live ball turnovers have led to so many fast break points for K-State's opponents. And, you know, when they can get set in their half-court defense, that Oklahoma game really felt like more of an outlier when you look at things uh, in Norman because uh, they they held Iowa State to their season-worst 30% from the floor. They hold Baylor to 40% last night, one of their lowest points per possessions on the entire season. I think Iowa State might be the only one that was worse in Big 12 play, but they didn't have LJ Cryer in that game in AIM. So that certainly had an impact as well. So, yeah, it... Uh, it was a, a heck of an effort. D.Y., before we talk about what that mean wins, look at the Big 12 standings, NCAA tournament resume, what did you uh, what did you make of that atmosphere last night? We had the, the sandstorm video with the, the cell phone lights on, the lights dimmed at Bramlage. Uh, I thought that was really neat and well done by, by the K-State Athletic Department and the marketing and fan experience folks. Yeah, just adding another recall sandstorm. I think that was a nice touch. I like that. And, uh, you know, the, the environments are, are been great just every home game, really, since the, the turn of the new year. And again, in, and it's 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 a fun place to be at. You know, in Kansas State's if not for one bad half of basketball, they'd be undefeated at all. And that environment and that atmosphere is a large reason why. And and I'm not here to say, oh, you know, you're, you're not filling up. 
But it is, I guess I'll just say, it is a little interesting to me. And last night, maybe you could just chalk it up to a uh, midweek night game. But, I mean, it's still 95% full, so I'm not sitting here quibbling over that. 95% full on a Tuesday night in Manhattan, Kansas, where, you know, your fans are probably tra- traveling farther than most other fans for other teams. Then I think that's pretty outstanding. I'm not judging it. It's just interesting what what changed, I guess, a little bit because at the beginning, you know, beginning middle of January, and it was probably 100 percent full, and now you're talking you know, the average is 94, 95 percent. I still think it's good. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just wonder kind of what happened to the shift of that. Um, I guess you know maybe a loss here and there, and and then that's a midweek night game, and next week's home game is a midweek night game as well at six o'clock or. I don't know if Oklahoma's at 6 o'clock or not, but Baylor was at 6 o'clock. So I know those midweek 6 o'clock games are tougher. So um, that that's just a comment from me. But regardless, I think it's still an outstanding crowd. Great atmosphere. Love the touch of Sandstorm with the with the cell phone flashlights. I think that looked really cool. And um, it certainly went viral on the internet on Tuesday night as well. The coaches loved it. The players loved it. I think they, they thought that was pretty fantastic. I think they took a little bit of time themselves to kind of enjoy and take that in so that was kind of neat to hear about it i guess before we go and i'll let you comment on that as well before i wanted to make two more observations before we kind of dig into the resume NCAA tournament big 12 tournament stuff which i i got some things wrote down for that two items i think you talked about iowa state baylor they didn't have lj crier that game or whatever i think a lot of what goes into a big 12 slate too is just when you play teams you, sometimes you just get teams at the right time. I mean, um, then sometimes you get teams at the bad time. Like Kansas State, I think you got Texas Tech in a bad time. Just like I think everybody's getting Texas Tech right now in a bad time, right? Um, you had to play them in Lubbock, right, as they were basically getting going. I mean, there is an argument to be made now that Texas Tech is building an NCAA tournament resume, and that's after a 1-10 in 10 league start. I think that's pretty sensational. Talks about the depth of the league, how good the league is. So I think it's about getting the team at the right time. You get Texas Tech probably in Lubbock at the wrong time, but you get TCU at home at the right time because they didn't have Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin was basically 50% healthy, if that. Um, some teams didn't have to play LJ Cryer. Kansas State didn't have to play Caleb Brill at home. I mean, some teams didn't have to play David Gasson uh, for K-State. So, so a lot of this is going to come down to when you get teams and you think about Kansas and Texas, I don't know if they've necessarily got anyone at a bad time at a good time, but they probably stayed a little bit healthier than everyone else. I can't think of any, I mean, Kent State didn't have a, their starting five. I know he's coming off the bench now, but he didn't have a starting five for about a month. And really that was when they were six and one in the big 12. I can't remember, you know, any time that Kansas and Texas is losing anyone considerable for amount of time. Some of it's good luck, just like TCU in football. They had a lot of injury. Good luck. Right. And that's part that played into the reason why they won so many games and went to the Big 12 championship into the playoff. They had a lot of sh- stream of really good luck. Didn't have a lot of bad ones themselves. And quarterbacks seemingly dropped like flies when they played TCU. Um, now it's, I guess it's karma for basketball because they were very unhealthy for for rest of the year. Kind of played into the health thing, legs. That's the second thing. Drew Tanks mentioned legs a lot in the last couple of weeks. And I think it sounds like he made the adjustments because what looked maybe like an effort problem against Oklahoma, you know, you know, you're you're not seeing the same defensive intensity that you want. Maybe it comes off as you're not trying hard, as you're not locked in. Like he maybe saw part of that against Texas, part of that against Texas Tech, just a a rough stretch there. I think they came to the conclusion, 
um, probably later than they wanted, but it's fine. They came to the conclusion you like the adjustment. Um, it's first you're still working out the kinks, I'm sure. But I think the conclusion they reached, and it was the right one, was maybe we need to pump the brakes on a little bit and take our foot off the accelerator and allow rest and recovery a lot in between these games, more than we were probably igniting at first because we're at the latter end of the season. Um, uh, it's a grind, a Big 12, much more of a grind than anyone else. A lot, like these other leagues, like they don't have to play their starters 35 to 38 minutes every night. You got to think about it like that, right? I mean, because you're going to get how many games a year when you're playing the, the bottom four or most every other league where you're winning by 30 and you get to rest your guys four or five minutes at the end of the game and that adds up. In the, in the Big 12, you don't get to do that because how many times are you going to win by 20 or 30 in the Big 12? Not very often. Once, yeah. twice, flukes. So I think legs have been a big part of it and I think they made the adjustment and they're doing more rest and recovery. I think they were doing one day off. Now we're hearing about two days off. So I think that adjustment has been major and probably contributed to what seems like more intensity and more effort the last two games, where it's probably, as Jerome Tang has noted, just better legs. It, it certainly looks like their legs are more underneath them the last couple of games, uh, especially last night and, and in the second half against Iowa State. They look refreshed. And, you know, just look at Keontae's shooting numbers, 6 of 13 uh, against Iowa State, 11 of 17 against Baylor. He actually goes 11 of 17 from the floor in both of the matchups against Baylor, 25 and 24, respectively. Uh, in those two games. But yeah, I, I think it was probably the right call. And look, you're in late February now. You probably have most of your sets and everything. Like these guys know what they're doing out there. Uh, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of film study. There is some rep work to do, but I'm sure they can dial it back a little bit. Don't have to go quite as hard uh, every day. And after the Oklahoma game, Jerome Tang mentioned, he gave them Wednesday and Thursday off. So they really just had one day of practice heading into the Iowa State game. And I, I think it's the right move. We we talked to Coach Sutton about it on the Monday podcast. So if you guys haven't listened to it, we did talk about that as well. And Coach Sutton, we appreciate him a great deal. It was a really fun interview and uh, good insight from him. Uh, and and he wants to come on the pod again. So we'll have him on sometime down the road too to talk. But yeah, the, the legs thing I think is certainly a key point. On the atmosphere front last night, I thought Overall, it was the second best atmosphere of the season. Um, Oklahoma State maybe would have been close. I, I thought it was better than the Iowa State game. There were more people there last night, I thought, than the Iowa State game on a Saturday, which you know is a bit more surprising. The Iowa State crowd was more of a disappointment to me than I thought. Last yeah. night's crowd was great. That's fair. And last night was probably just late arriving. I probably had a, that 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 played into it too. I don't know that I would say the second best atmosphere. Obviously, first is Kansas. Uh, I th- Texas Tech was really good. Um, Florida, Florida, Florida might've been number two. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ne- nevertheless, it was a lot of fun to be in there. We were, we were there. Um, I'm trying to go for the clean sweep of attending all nine big 12 home games. DY, I just got to make it to the OU game, which, uh, I plan to do senior day. Everybody needs to be there for that. This is a special group of seniors, uh, to honor and, uh, has put together a special season for Kansas state basketball and made it a lot of fun. Oklahoma is next Wednesday. We'll have podcasts before that, but it's a seven o'clock tip. I know you mentioned that, DY. It's the first seven o'clock tip of the season, which is really kind of that sweet spot. They used to play back when I was younger a lot of seven o'clock weeknight games before TV dictated so much. And that's really that sandwich spot where it's easier for people to get there off of work um, and you still at least get home at a somewhat reasonable time versus the eight o'clock tip. So 
that game's on ESPN Plus, in case they'd have the opportunity to put it at seven um, against the Sooners. So hopefully it'll be a uh, yeah seven o'clock because of ESPN Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Hopefully be a packed house for that one, but uh, K-State's got Oklahoma State on Saturday 1st in Stillwater, and, and look, that's, I don't know if we want to touch on that at all before we talk about the tournament resume. What I'll just say about the OSU game is that's going to be a hungry, desperate Cowboy team that has lost three games in a row, is now 7-8 and eight in the Big 12, and is right on the fringe of making the NCAA tournament, and they really, they got beat up the last two games, beaten down by TCU, uh, beaten down by West Virginia and Morgantown, Morgantown, both road games, but their defense has really struggled the last couple of games. Now, Avery Anderson, who's one of their best defenders in the Big 12, is hurt. He's not playing. He hasn't played the last couple of weeks. I don't expect him to play Saturday against K-State. Seems to have had an impact somewhat, but yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on with Oklahoma State, but that's going to be a very hungry, desperate team, so it's going to be a hard game on Saturday. Yeah, they're going to probably defend their you-know-what off because that is a great defensive team, and they've just uh, had their pride stripped from them after giving up 100 points to TCU and 85 to West Virginia. Um, that's the opposite of what we consider, what we tend to think of when it comes to Oklahoma State. If can't, th- I'll just say that if Kansas State wins that game, I imagine it'll be a game of the 50s because I think Oklahoma State, uh, I'd say Kansas State can't win, but, I, but what I do expect is Oklahoma State to at least play inspired on the defensive side of the floor um, because that is where they put their pride and joy in and they basically had that pride and joy stripped from them and completely torn apart so you can bet that that's the message from the coaching staff uh, ever since you give up 100 to TCU 85 to West Virginia is really bad even though I know Eric Stevenson's really going um, I worry about that guy when Kansas State has to go to Morgantown I also think uh, man they were the, one of the hottest teams in the Big 12 and just like that they went to one of the coldest teams in the Big 12 it's kind of the product of the league, I know, but uh, we've seen what that does to atmospheres sometimes. So, in Oklahoma State's not really a great atmosphere to begin with. I, I think you're going to have to bring your own energy if you're Kansas State. I think that's going to be an important part, too. Gallagher Iba just has lost a lot of its luster when it comes to having a great atmosphere to begin with. The fact that they're on a you know losing streak now, um, if you're a Kansas State fan, um, this is without me looking at it and you. Stillwater is not a very far drive for you. I bet you can probably get a good ticket for that game. You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I was going to say, actually, you know, back, I, I talked about this on a podcast a few few shows ago, but back in the Elite Eight season, Jacob Poland, Denny Clemente, K-State fans really traveled with that team on a lot of those road games, Norman, Stillwater, some of those others that are relatively close. If you're a K-State fan and you got a free day Saturday, I encourage you, if you're anywhere near Wichita K-State fans, anywhere, you know, drive to Stillwater, support these guys, try to lift them to a win. I know they had a pretty good crowd in Norman for the OU game, didn't help necessarily, but uh, hopefully that that will help lift them a little bit. I would go, but I've got an event uh, Friday night. I'm going to be at the Wabash Cannonball uh, to raise money for Kansas State um, Friday at the Sheraton Convention Center in Overland Park. So if any of you... Uh, listeners happen to be there at that event uh come find me i'll actually be dressed up in a, a tie and suit for a rare moment and not wearing hoodies uh like i'm doing at home all the time so i'll uh, be uh i'll be going to the game of course i'm trying to do i think i haven't i haven't booked a hotel yet because it's a one o'clock game to four just under a four hour drive yeah can i drive there and back same day i've done that yeah, I've, I've done that from covering games down there where it's been like a noon tip. You could get back by like 9 o'clock and, uh, after you send your stories and get everything uploaded. So, yeah, not a bad drive at all. Uh, so encourage K-State fans, get to Stillwater, support these guys, and uh, what will be a difficult game. Look, both of these road games remaining are going to be really hard because both of those teams, West Virginia and Oklahoma State, are right on the tournament bubble. I think West Virginia is like one of the last three or four teams in, and I think uh, Oklahoma State is probably right around there as well right now. They were in the field until, I don't know if that West Virginia loss impacted them. I know they dropped in the net a few spots Yeah, after that loss. We can use these next five, ten minutes to kind of talk Big 12 into the tournament. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Before, I wanted to get a Kansas State. You could have touched on it there because it's kind of a conversation that I broached in some of our group chats, of course, is especially after last night because Texas Tech got another win. And I think West Virginia lost on – they already lost this week? West Virginia won this week because they beat Oklahoma State, but West Virginia lost at home Saturday to Texas Tech. So right. There, right. I, there's a case that Tech could be ahead of West Virginia soon. That's what I was going to say because if you look at conference record, it's the same for both, I believe. If you look at overall record, it's the same for both, I believe. And I know that the committee doesn't look like look at it this way because there's a lot of other metrics to pour into, the net, the, you know – Offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, what you did in other games, the non-conference, strength of schedule, strength of record. I get it. All that stuff goes into it. But they have the same overall record. They have the same conference record. And Texas Tech won in Morgantown. So I know the committee doesn't look like at it like that, but if I'm West Virginia, I'm probably a little nervous because of that fact. Yeah, the one thing I'll say there, West Virginia did win at Tech by like 15 too, so they split that. And the one thing West Virginia does have going for it the metrics love them a lot more than Tech, right? Ken Palm's got West Virginia at 21. Uh, Tech's like right around 50. I'm looking at, I'm pulling up the net real quick. Just to, it's because West Virginia, some of those wins in the non-con that maybe people didn't glow about at the time now look pretty solid, especially like that win over Pittsburgh. And West Virginia just, they did things that the metrics kind of, uh, you know, give you a boost for unintendedly like West Virginia has some really decisive wins right and they're not getting blown out as much you know some of those things where the metrics is probably a little biased I I say that that I don't love how it 
like gives you credit or rewards teams for what they do. I think West Virginia is kind of a good example of a manipulator of that. I remember we were at one point, right? They were like, but what had won one game in the Big 12 out of like eight or nine? And they were still in the top 25 of the net and the top 25 of Ken Bob. It's like, what is going on here? It's just like they're one of those outliers just because of the way things have unfolded. Um, kind of, you know, every, not every metric's going to be perfect, but West Virginia was the one that was kind of like breaking the system in my mind. So, and, and, it's kind of what I said, like when Kansas A beat TCU by 21 at home, when TCU did have like Miles and Eddie Lamb gets basically on one leg, I think that's when K-State had their biggest jump in the metrics. It's like, eh, I don't know if I love that. Yeah, no, they definitely jumped several spots. I think five spots when they beat TCU by 21. West Virginia's 21st and Ken Palm 26 in the net. Texas Tech uh, enters today. They moved up five spots with last night's win over Oklahoma and Norman from 54 to 49 in the net. So, look, there's a, a very good case to be made that Tech, which didn't have a quad one win as of, what, three weeks ago, now has five. Um, I think they've won five of their last six. They're five and ten in the Big 12. West Virginia's five and ten in the Big 12. Uh, let, let's talk about the, the Big 12 picture and, and K-State's postseason resume now. K-State's now nine and six in the Big 12, tied for third in the league behind KU and Texas, tied with Baylor at nine and six. But K-State owns the tiebreaker because of the yep. sweep. Baylor's got Texas this weekend in Waco. Um, and then I think I, I haven't looked at Baylor's rest of their schedule, but it, it, it'll be very interesting how this shakes out. I think they have a game at Oklahoma state still. Um, and I can't remember the final game that Baylor has, but K-State could be yeah. getting third. Yeah. They have a chance for third right now. They would be third right now. TCU is sixth because they have a tiebreaker over Oklahoma state. So on Friday, Kansas state would technically be playing TCU in the big 12 tournament. Um, and Baylor would be playing Iowa State, right? So, because Oklahoma State is seven, so they'd be playing what Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And NDY just pulled on up Wednesday, on Wednesday. Yeah. Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma on Wednesday, and then West Virginia versus Texas Tech on Wednesday. Um, and then the top two seeds are Kansas and Texas that have the uh, the bye on Wednesday as well, and they'll play the winner of one of those games that that take place on Wednesday night. I will say this, just because they're scrunched up so tight. Um, Three through seven is, uh, yeah, I think is pretty. I mean, Kansas State could either be anywhere from what in the Big Twelve tournament to three four. I don't know if they fall to five, they could, but I think they beat Oklahoma at home, so falling to five would still be a little difficult, I think. Yeah, and that doesn't it doesn't really matter, right? Because four or five, you're playing the same game and then playing the one if you win. Although obviously, you want to finish as high as you can. Yeah, and the plus last, season. Last night, last night probably prevents you from dropping to six, I guess. Well, uh, yeah, and I think one of the significant points of last night, when you look at the Big 12 tournament, if you, if you care about the Big 12 tournament a lot, or I know some people focus more on the NCAAs, and I totally understand that perspective, but there was a chance K-State could fall to the Wednesday game before last night. Like, if they would have lost that game and then Oklahoma State beats K-State Saturday, there would have been a tie there in the standings at 8-8 eight and eight between the two. So last night really creates some separation and, and in my mind probably eliminates that risk of playing Wednesday night. You're going to be a top 16. Yeah, you know, I would I would agree. And I, depending on what you want to do, let's say Baylor stays in that top top four uh, as well. If you're K-State, you're probably not going to be playing Baylor in the first round. So maybe that's, you like that. Or, or, or I guess it'd be the second round on Thursday. But you're looking at, I guess... You're probably going to play TCU, Iowa State, or Oklahoma State. <laughs> April 4th. 
I mean, either way, like it's just going to be one of the most chaotic. Who would you rather play out of TCU, Iowa State, or Oklahoma State? Because I uh, those three is your first opponent. I think I'd probably rather play Oklahoma State the most, and then TCU. Look, and the only reason I want to stay away from Iowa State is because they're going to have the crowd there, and I don't want to be around their fans when K State plays them again. And let's let's talk about another scenario. Assuming KU remains as the number one seed in the Big Twelve, I think they will. Um, especially Texas has Baylor and Waco this weekend. Um, the way KU's playing, I think they kind of figured it out a little bit. They're what's helped KU, and not to get on a KU podcast here, as their core bench has gotten better. It's no longer the the immense liability that it once was. Even Ernest Uday is playing yeah. right now. Um, so they're they've become more of a complete team, and and they really got like a three headed monster of scores because I I underestimated Juan Harris. He's pretty good. Uh, I should not have done that. Uh, but if you're K State, what last night did for you, right? The win over Baylor gets you to the three seed in the NCAA or in the Big Twelve tournament. If that everything remains the same, like staying at three is going to be tough. I get that, but if you do, you kind of you avoid having to play KU until the championship. Yeah. Yeah, definitely it would be more ideal to be on the three line than the four or five where you could potentially play in Iowa State and then KU. You know, you got the biggest fan bases besides K-State right there with two really tough atmospheres you'd be playing it. D.Y., here's a – so Baylor's schedule remaining. I just pulled them up. They play at Texas Saturday at 1 o'clock, then at Oklahoma State. That's going to be a, an interesting game. And then they've got Iowa State and Waco uh, to close out the season next well, Saturday. Well, you, so they, the, oh, I mean, those – they're two toughest ones, but they're at home are Texas and Iowa State. I'm yeah. So, yeah. Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State has two games in a row right here uh, that will probably de- to determine their fate. Yeah. Very much so against Kansas State and Baylor at home. Yeah. A chance to really build up a couple quad one really quality wins on their home court. Uh, you look at Iowa State. Iowa State's really scuffling right now. I mean, they're, uh, they're now seven and eight in the league. Uh, they lost to Texas last night by 18, but Iowa State does. They have, they have OU at home this weekend, and they have West Virginia at home on Monday. So they've got two winnable games to get to 9 and 8, and then they go to Waco. So it's a good likelihood that uh, Iowa State – oh, wait, no, Iowa State's actually um, – they're 8 and 7 in the Big 12 right now. So they, they've got a good chance to get to 10 and 8. We'd have to look at the tiebreaker scenarios. K-State obviously should get to 10-8 and eight at least with the OU game at home, hopefully, and, and maybe they can snag another one on the road to get to 11-7. and seven. But, uh, yeah, Iowa State's scuffling. I think they've lost like six of their last nine. TCU, 7-8 and eight now in the Big 12. And uh, TCU goes to Tech on Saturday. And then, uh, so, Tech wins that game. They're probably in the field as of then if they win. With Baylor's remaining schedule, I know we're throwing a lot out at everyone. Um, Kansas State probably needs to get at least to eleven and seven to keep the three. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. If you can win two, you get. Uh, Baylor's probably going to lose one more game, and so if you can get to eleven and seven, you got the sweep over them. You own the tiebreaker, and and you should be in good shape. Texas actually has a really tough schedule coming up. Dy now, I don't think K State's probably going to be able to catch them but obviously they go to Baylor like we just said on this Saturday then they go to TCU and then they got KU and Austin so <laughs> they could lose all, all three, three. you know K-State could get to 11 and 7 they're both 11 and 7 at that point yeah you know if we if, if KU would have lost to TCU on Monday um there would have been and K-State beat Baylor as they did we could be discussing still Big 12 championship title shares at that point. Now, it's very unlikely now, 
but but if KU had gotten their fifth loss, yeah. it still would have been a bit of a reach. I think it, it would have. You would have had to have. Well, what would have had to happen was KU would have to lose to Texas to close out the season. K State would have to win out to get the twelve and six. KU would have to lose to TCU and at Texas, they'd be twelve and six. And you need Texas to drop the games at TCU and Baylor, which actually is not that long of a shot. But no, it's going to be very hard for K State to go three and zero the rest of the way too. Yeah, it is. Uh, K State's probably be fortunate to go two and one. But man, if you're Texas, te- here's what I'm going to guess that happens. And Texas could, Texas is probably going to be the underdog in at least two of those three. Maybe all three, but I bet they're a short favor in that TCU, I would imagine. But I bet what happens is Texas loses at Baylor, at TCU, beats KU. Yep. I'm guessing. Yeah. The way splits are so strong to be 12 right now. But they could lose all three, and then you then you wonder what happens in that scenario. Okay, real quick, NCAA tournament picture uh, for Kansas State. That win basically makes it impossible almost, assuming Kansas State – beats Oklahoma at home because you don't want to quad two loss another one. Um, I would say assuming Kansas State wins at home against Oklahoma, you're looking at a likely no worse than a four seat, maybe slip to a five. I would doubt it. If you lost the remaining games, especially the first one in Kansas City, you could maybe fall to a five depending on what everyone else did behind you. But I think last night's win over Baylor probably ensured a four as long as you beat Oklahoma at home. You have eight quad one wins. At one time, it would have been nine, but West Virginia fell to a quad two. Um, And you probably have three quad one games left. So you still have some firepower to get another, right? West Virginia and Oklahoma State on the road, those are going to be quad one games, right? Yep, they are. and then your first game in the Big 12 tournament, it's a neutral site, probably going to be a quad one game. Yep. Every game the rest of the way is going to be a quad one for K-State. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yep, you're right. Yeah. That's, uh, why, you have, that's why you have to beat Oklahoma. Yep. <laughs> look, K-State, when you look at K-State's resume, quad two through four, right? They're 13 and one. They, they don't have any bad right. losses. Butler's the only bad loss. Uh, you know, shout out to Butler for losing to Georgetown and handing him there. First Big East win this last weekend, I think. But uh, oh, Butler, they beat Xavier and lost to Georgetown. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have Bates. They didn't have Manny Bates. Don't ask me why I watched like five minutes of that game and saw Bates wasn't playing, which he obviously hurt K-State uh, in the matchup in, uh, in Butler. But anyways, I, moving on from that, you know, I, I think as, as you look at it, D.Y., I, I think if K-State beats Oklahoma, let's just say this. If they win two more games, including KC, they have a guarantee of four games left, including the Big 12 tournament. If they go two and two, just get a couple more wins, they're a three seed in my mind. If, and ideally, and yeah, sorry to cut you off. You go ahead, actually. And I was going to say, I think, they're, I think they're a lock for a three. Base. So the committee had K-State as a three seed on Saturday in the bracket reveal. And that was before they beat teams they had projected as a three and a two back-to-back now. Now, Iowa State has probably fallen closer to like the five line since with losing to K-State and losing the way they did to Texas. Uh, But they beat two very respected teams the committee really likes in Baylor and Iowa State. So you got to think K-State's now that like top three seed probably. Like they went from the number 12 overall team to probably nine or 10. Yeah, I know ESPN had them still at 10, I think, not nine. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that if you become... 
that it three seed a little bit, in which they are training towards after defeating Baylor a second time that the committee had ranked number seven. Uh, Baylor's probably slid to a three, maybe you're above Baylor. So um, what you're starting to configure is a very, very good path to the NCAA tournament as well. And I know that's very contingent on what happens elsewhere. In a Texas collapse that we talked about, would actually be pretty nice so they can't steal a spot in in a region that Kansas State would want to be in because uh, a lot of those things are the way everyone's positioned geographically that's going to matter which teams are at the top and where they sit geographically and who gets priority right because if you're Kansas State and you start to slide above Texas and above Baylor you end up getting priority kind of you know in in the line when it comes to NCAA tournament Yep. seating and locations because if that happens guess what you start to think about getting Des Moines in Kansas City yeah that'd be great I will tell you what uh, so I the committee had Houston in the Midwest and we talked about this off air before we started recording they had Houston in the Midwest on the bracket real Saturday I can't see them staying ahead of KU I, I think I KU will get the Midwest yeah. I can't either Kansas is for I mean Kansas is to, to be quite frank and I know people don't like this because this is a Kansas State podcast I get it but Kansas's resume is trending towards being one of the better resumes of all time. I mean, that's yeah. 14, 14 quad one wins. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how that can't be the overall one seed. I've seen some, uh, I think it was Jerry Paul and CBS still have, he was a, the fourth number one seed. Like, hey, can you all you want, K-State fans, but that's, that's yeah, I I think they'll get the Midwest. Now, K-State yes. could still be in the Midwest with them, you know, yeah, because yeah, they just yeah. can't play in the first two rounds and look. Yeah, you know. That would be fine because K-State's not probably not going to get to a two seat. So I guess that wouldn't hurt. You, know, it wouldn't dro- you can't drop to a four if you're K-State because if KU gets the one seed in the Kansas City region, Kansas State can't really be a four. Well, they could. They could still. They could play in the Sweet Sixteen, right? The the rule is they can't play first two rounds, right? But they, it would. You don't want to play them that early, like yeah. yeah. But Kansas State has a better chance of getting the path that they want. The Des Moines, Kansas City, even if it's Denver, Kansas City, I guess I want to hurt yeah. too much. Like, but, um, but Des Moines, Kansas City, Denver, Kansas City. I think the best chance of that is to be the three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the committee, in the reveal, had K State and KU in the West as the one and the three. And uh, so they can put them there. Now, could you imagine a one and a three? Like, they would match up. If they all won their first three games, they would match up to go to the final four in the Elite Eight game. I cannot, I I, I cannot, I would get nauseous thinking about losing to KU to go to the final four. I can't stomach another loss right there on the fringe of getting to the final four. Like, K-State's had happened twice in the last 12 years. So, uh, yeah, I I just prefer they're in separate regions, but if, if you're going to tell me Kansas City, man, I, I that'd be pretty awesome if case they could get to the Sweet 16, get to that second weekend, and be in Kansas City. Uh, I guess if you're if they do get to Kansas City, if you're a Kansas State fan, you're kind of open that KU somehow slips up, I guess, and for some reason doesn't get that overall number one yeah. seed. I think they're going to get the overall number one seed, uh, but but if they don't, KU probably. I guess it depends where KU is positioned relative to Houston. I think that's yes, Judd. Yeah, couple a uh, couple quick things. Dy, and we'll wrap this up. So on the resume front, uh, K State now has eight quad one wins. Only four teams in college basketball have more: Arizona, Baylor, Purdue, and KU. 
So K-State's tied for the fifth most quad one wins in basketball with eight with Iowa State. Uh, pretty incredible feat. And then I tweeted this out earlier today. I pulled the, uh, I looked at the AP top 25, all the teams in the AP top 25, and I pulled the number of top 25 Ken Palm teams they've beaten on the year. Texas leads the country with eight top 25 Ken Palm wins. Guess who's number two in the country? K-State was seven. Seven top 25 wins against Ken Palm opponents, which is the second most in the country. KU at six, Baylor at six, uh, Iowa State at six. So the Big 12 has four of the top five and top 25 Ken Palm wins. Hey, how about we uh, shout out UCLA, which I have to go clear to the bottom with one top 25 Ken Palm win. And uh, we got Mick Cronin crying about where they're going. So uh, anyways, it's a, uh, it's a heck of a resume, man. And, and no wonder the committee has them where they have uh, seven top 25 wins, the most ever in the regular season for K-State basketball. Uh, an incredible feat and an opportunity to, you know, depends on who they play in the Big 12 tournament to get to eight, which would uh, which would break the record overall in the season, counting the postseason. So they've they put together a great resume to have the second most top 25 Ken Palm wins means that they they have more of the high end wins than anyone really in college basketball behind Texas. It's it's pretty remarkable. But a good year. Uh, I think uh, positionally when it comes to the big, both the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament uh, to get your optimal. Obviously, optimal is going to be winning them all, but just to get to meeting a threshold where I think you're going to get a very good picture for yourself, I think requires beating Oklahoma at home. And then I don't, I can't decide if, if you get that ideal path of Des Moines, Kansas City, if that would require winning at Oklahoma State or West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament game or just one of those? I'm not sure. It's hard to know. And look, it, it will be a – KU is going to get Des Moines uh, too. That's going to be a very hard ticket if KU is in Des Moines and K-State. Uh, so, But it's also for people in Kansas City, it's a short drive. But they've also – but do you also – and maybe, maybe not because they're falling off. I guess this helps K-State too now that I think about it. Creighton – is probably not in line to get that priority. Yeah, Creighton lost at home to Marquette last night, which hurt them. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, and I think <laughs> you don't get leaped in the Des Moines line by Creighton. And, and I think Iowa State has hurt their chances to get put in Des Moines with the the stretch that they're on right now that I, I don't think they're going to get rewarded with getting put 20 minutes from campus. Yeah, and the only thing you had to worry about was maybe if Arizona got put in uh, Denver because they're actually the same distance from Denver and Sacramento because if Arizona got to Denver – then maybe take a spot away from Texas or Baylor, and then Texas or Baylor, would have, one of them would have went to Des Moines, technically. That's when you have to worry. But if you can't stay now, you just beat Baylor a second time. You probably now have a better resume than Baylor. I know we're getting back into this again. And Texas has that gauntlet, like we said at the end of the year. You're probably going to be positioned ahead of Texas and Baylor if you do what you need to do. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> Well, it's fun to talk about this. It's a lot more fun to talk about this than the the, the previous couple weeks when K-State was scuffling and started to look at the, the postseason again. And no, K-State's in the tournament. They're going to make the NCAAs. They're going to be a good seed. It's fun for K-State basketball to be back on the map and to matter. And uh, shout out Jerome Tang and this staff. Man, special. I thought Jerome was going to get hurt last night jumping onto that scorer's table and then jumping into the student section. Pretty impressive athleticism there. 
uh, it's become my new favorite tradition in college basketball. Like I tweeted out. So, and by the way, my wife told me no more videos DY of, uh, cause she says I'm embarrassing. I can't hold my camera still. And I'm too into the games. I, I can't, I'm a handshake when I'm taking video. And I also spilled beer all over myself two minutes into the game last night, just covered. Thankfully I had the dry fit Nike golf pants on because, uh, I couldn't even hold my beer. I, I I started to yell at James Breeding two minutes into the game at the ref and uh, lost lost it all over me. So amateur hour over here. But uh, yeah, you have anything else to add, Dy? Or we uh, put a bow on this, wrap it up. All right. Well, hey, we'll uh, we'll be back to talk about some K State hoops and any other K State news that breaks over the coming week. Uh, we'll probably next show. We'll probably be early next week after the Oklahoma State game. Uh, we'll hopefully have John back as well. So appreciate DY jumping on, talking some cat hoops. Great win for K-State. Great back-to-back victories for the Wildcats. It's a great time to be a Kansas State fan. A great season for football and basketball especially. Uh, and go get your Ben Holiday bottle and Bon Bourbon 360 Vodka, folks. They they support us, support folks who support the pod. Thanks again for listening to another 3 Mall Pod. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com